The Carl Perkins Act, which has seen a variety of name changes, was first authorized by the federal government in 1984 with the goal of increasing the quality of academic, career, and technical skills through career and technical education in the United States. I'm Cheney Mosley, and I was a beneficiary of that act. But it wasn't until I was in high school that a teacher really encouraged me to think about future options. And while I've had a fulfilling career over the last 20 or so years, I can't help but wonder how my life might have been different if I had dreamed about my future work before high school. And that's why the Association for Career and Technical Education has developed a podcast series dedicated to middle school career exploration. Over five episodes, we will hear from a variety of practitioners diligently working in the space of middle school career exploration as they share their thoughts and ideas on why and how exploring careers in middle school is important to the development of adolescents. Joining us today is Heather Justice. Heather is the Divisional Director for College, Career, and Military Preparation at the Texas Education Agency. Heather, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Cheney. Glad to be here. It's interesting, as I, as I read your title, you don't often see military coupled with college and career readiness. And can you tell me a little bit about why that is? Sure. I think as our agency put forth their strategic priorities, we wanted to make a very specific focus on um, connecting high school to college and career and included military in that um, because of the deep connection between continued post-secondary training and careers even within the military. So we've been focused on ensuring that that's a continuous path rather than just a separate thought. Well, I, I like that. I appreciate that. So, uh, well, I'm wondering, as the divisional director, it sounds like you well, right there, even in your title, there are three different hats that you wear. So maybe you could tell us about what an average day looks like for you. Sure. So within our division, we actually have um, all things related to college, career, and military preparation. So if you broke those into buckets, um, we would essentially have our post-secondary preparation programs. So these are all the things that include our early college high school models. So early college high schools, our pathways in technology early college high schools, our industry okay. cluster innovative academies, and our Texas STEM academies. Those models are all designed to provide high school students uh, the ability to actually earn college credit, um, whether that's through an associate degree, a level one or level two certificate at a technical or community college, um, and or industry-based certifications at no cost to the student, uh, and to do so in a consolidated timeline. So depending on the model, it's uh, students graduating with an associate in four years for an early college high school to a pathway in technology early college high school, which would be an associate or credential within six years with a heavy focus on work-based learning. Okay, on, that makes sense. Yeah. On the, um, in addition, that team is also responsible then for dual credit, advanced placement and in international baccalaureate courses, and then all of our um, college entrance exams, right, so ACT or SAT. Uh, so trying to provide better resources to districts on how to provide those opportunities for students and what those opportunities may be. 
So if we take that as one part, we also then oversee career and technical education with our division. Uh, so all things related to um, career clusters uh, and then engaging with other external factors such as our current technical student organizations. And then the last one we really have is, is called right now College and Career Readiness Strategy. And these are the initiatives that span more than just current technical education and more than just post-secondary preparation programs. So work-based learning and STEM and then ultimately like counseling and support services and military would fall into this bucket. Uh, so especially in relation to the conversation we'll be having today, obviously work-based learning plays a big role in career exploration and kind of connecting across all those different strands. I, you know, I appreciate the attention that Texas is giving to making sure that the key players in post-secondary prep, the, the early college credit or the, the dual credit APIB and CTE all working together for really a common goal is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's the hope is to, to decrease those silos <laughs> and ensure that those conversations are actually taking place, right? Um, I think we have to model internally what you want to happen externally, right? No, I like that. I like how you put that. But it sounds like you have a big division, and they say that everything is bigger in Texas. Um, <laughs> so I guess that I guess that in in addition to the division that you're leading, that also includes the student population too. Wonder if you could tell us about the demographics of the students that you serve. Sure, we do. Yes, we. Um, we do believe that the statement that's true, everything is bigger in Texas. <laughs> so we actually serve about 5.3 million students in the state. Um, wow. In those, we have 1,203 districts. Um, and then the breakdown uh, is actually um, slightly different from other states. So we have about 52.4% of our student population is Hispanic. About 12.6% is African American. And 28.1% are white. Um, we also have 59% uh, economically disadvantaged and then 18.9 English language learners. So um, pretty good differentiation among student populations. Um, and we have about 22% of those students, so um, 1,186,000 approximately are actually in middle school. Um, so a really good kind of span across the grade bands. But yeah, it's, it's a large student population with a large geographical area to cover. <laughs> okay, so did you say 52% Hispanic student population, is that correct? That's correct. Um, now forgive my ignorance, I'm located in the southeast, as you know. Um, is there another state that has a majority Hispanic student population? Uh, you know, that's actually a great question. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it would be, it, you may see that in the southwest, probably, yeah, um, kind of in this area. But yeah, for us, I think especially because of our physical geographic location, um, it's an, a, natu a natural connector, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, a very diverse state, and I expected nothing yeah. less from, from Texas. That's right. So, t tell me, and you mentioned middle school earlier, can you tell me about the work in Texas that's a, that is occurring that encourages and supports career exploration while in middle school? Yeah. So um, we actually have a specific legislation that actually asks um, for college and career readiness standards to be addressed in middle school. Um, we actually have them in, in high school as well, but we specifically want to address them in middle school, and, and districts can address those in multiple different ways. Um, but about 30% of the districts across the state actually utilize two different middle school courses um, that are related to current technical education 
um, that okay. have a slightly higher weighted, uh, or um, actually, they, they, so 30% use these two courses to actually deliver the college and readiness standards, right? Um, and within the standards, their, their piece is really designed to also hit career exploration, right? So investigating career pathways, uh, thinking about professional skills needed in your related career, looking at labor market information, investigating job seeking skills, um, and then obviously the college components as well. But there is a heavy focus on this career exploration within the courses to expose students to um, kind of a larger breadth of careers that may be available. Uh, as you can imagine, in Texas, we also have a pretty robust um, labor market, and so there's lots of different opportunities for students to engage. So I'd say a lot of districts use um, these two middle school courses. There's also a lot who explore different options and how to incorporate that. So whether that's innovative courses or modules that they go through to walk the students through what this career exploration looks like. That's really currently um, how we are experiencing middle school career exploration. We're also doubling down on work-based learning. Uh, so in the future, we'll also be trying to provide additional resources to districts on what that can look like in middle school and how that can be flexible. Because we know middle school scheduling can sometimes be difficult um, just because of the rotations and the teachers and being able to get um, people in to teach those courses. So it sounds like the state has created a resource in the form of these two courses with standards that can be can be used, I guess, to deliver this college and career ready instruction, but they give the, the, the local districts the flexibility to incorporate the standards however they choose, be it through a course or, or some other mode. That's exactly right. And you, you mentioned doubling down on work-based learning. I'm curious, are there, are there any work-based learning opportunities that you're aware of happening at the middle school level? Because you know, I'm thinking about that when I taught one year, and I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I taught one year of middle school career and tech education. And hmm. during that one year, our school was designed, we had three different CTE teachers, and we did um, four or nine-week rotations so that every eighth grade student experienced a different CTE area. So I was only focused on my content area. And I can think of the the, the highest quality or the most I guess the, the, the best thing that I did that closely resembled work-based learning was trying to create these authentic learning experiences in the classroom. But, you know, that was, that was almost 20 years ago, and I wouldn't say that it was a high-quality experience, if I'm being <laughs> honest. So, so I'm wondering what that, I mean, if you're aware, of, is that happening in the middle schools there and what that looks like? Yeah, I think the, the answer there is um, definitely in pockets, right? So um, some of the requirements in our college and readiness school models that I mentioned earlier, so our PTECs, our Industry Clustering Innovative Academies, and specifically our Texas STEM Academies, our Texas STEM Academies have required a middle school component, um, I want to say since their inception. And so there has been this want to reach down and, and talk to feeder schools to incorporate them in, and I know that's existed in the form of job shadowing and virtual tours in some cases, but a lot more um, connections with industry partners in the regions, um, specific to that campus, of course. But then we also see that model play out in our PTEX and Industry Cluster Innovative Academies. And so we've definitely heard about a lot of industry partners who are actually going down into the middle schools, uh, and then also more career fairs, more um, specific shadowing in you know, mini 
we use a, an air quote uh, that you can't see here, but like mini internships for middle school students, right? Um, where they're essentially being able to go out and see what a day in the life of looks like. Um, so we, we've seen that kind of across the state. It's definitely happening in different pockets. I think it's where you tend to have strong industry partners and community partners where they're seeing the need uh, to drill down the interest in career exploration in their companies and the careers they have in their region. And so middle school is kind of a natural place for that to happen before the student does their graduation plan and chooses what it is they're going to focus on in high school. Yeah, everything you just described as you were listening, you know, going off that list and saying job shadows and career fairs and virtual, I'm thinking that's, that is in essence what career exploration is. So, wow, I'm, that's impressive. You also, when you were talking about the work that's occurring in Texas, I, I believe you said the two courses actually introduced students to career pathways, and I'm wondering, with that introduction, is it the pathways that they might choose to pursue while in high school, or is it the full gamut of this is what the career pathway looks like for this specific industry sector post-high school and gets into post-secondary education opportunities and employment trends? Like, when you say career pathways, what are the students actually looking at there? Yeah, that's a great question. I, to be honest, it'll look different depending on like the school uh, and how they're implementing. The, the standard itself focuses on students investigating career pathways in one or more of the 16 career clusters. So they give kind of this broader, um, you know, almost CTE definition of the 16 career clusters and where to start. Um, but as, as you know, <laughs> having been in this space, that's pretty broad. Um, which I think can be really yeah. good because you're exposing them to the gambit. And so I think you see this play out at the, at the campus level a couple different ways. Um, one, broad exposure across all of them uh, to kind of get the students that more exploratory awareness piece versus I think if you're doing this more toward eighth graders, you're, you're probably focusing a little further in on um, Hopefully they've had some awareness and exploration in the past and now you're actually targeting more toward what the offerings are in their high school so that they could be a little more specific on what it is they're looking to advance. So I'd almost say if you're looking at this in that sixth and seventh grade air, um, grade band range, you're looking more at this awareness piece and more of that broad, but as they kind of progress then you'd probably be looking more at how they're filling out their graduation plan, what specifically is offered in the high school and what that looks like. And then that'll look vastly different from campus to campus based off of, Absolutely. to your point, the people that they partner with for industry employers or if their ability is only to facilitate this within a, a traditional classroom, right? Yeah, no, I like it. And I'm just thinking about middle school students thinking about a, a full system of career pathways and how confusing that, that might be to some students. But not only students, it's confusing to a lot of stakeholders as well. And I'm, I'm wondering, in your position, what are some of the misunderstandings that parents or teachers or administrators or other stakeholders of education might have about implementing career exploration at the middle school level? Yeah, I think uh, that's a good if I If I were to be so bold as to say what I think their misunderstandings are. Um, <laughs> Hold on. I, I when think have you not been so it, bold? Come on, Heather. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Point taken. Um, I think it's um, – this misunderstanding that career exploration means a student is pigeonholed into um, a major, if you will, uh, and that there's no ability to leave that track, right? Um, or even tracking in general as, as kind of a real yeah. fear. 
Um, and, and that's really not the intent at all, right? The intent is to broaden awareness and ensure that students have choice and voice. Um, but I think that that's, you know, if you look at the history of where careers have been kind of pushed on students before, that can be a scary misunderstanding that you're asking a student, I mean, I think the, the piece we get a lot is, you know, you're asking a student in seventh or eighth grade to make up their mind of what they want to do with the rest of their life. Right. And, and the answer there is no, it shouldn't be, but it should be interest and aptitude and what are they demonstrating proclivities towards and how could we actually ensure that we're providing then opportunities for them to explore that. And then hopefully exploration does lead to a narrowing in what they want to do and then their experiences in high school then further refine that. But I think that's probably the biggest misunderstanding is that fear that a student will be tracked and not able to get off a track. Yeah, I've yeah, I've heard that here in Tennessee as well. So that that doesn't I guess I don't know if it's encouraging or discouraging to hear that those same misunderstandings are occurring across the country. Sure. Yeah. Really sure. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one one strategy that I've seen that has been successful in, in in maybe combating some of these misunderstandings or the myth uh, myths about career in technical education or career exploration is harnessing the power of business and industry partners, which makes me wonder, what do the business and industry representatives in Texas, what do they say, what do they think about getting students to explore careers while in middle school? Yeah, I think you've, you've got some, uh, we, we span the gambit, right? Some, I think, who are unaware that it's even an option. Um, and then others who have actively taken a role in wanting to facilitate uh, conversations at middle school, and to be honest, even some as early as elementary. Um, and so I think where you you have partners um, in strong current technical education programs at the high school level or our college and career readiness school models, so I'll go back to these again, uh, but our Pathways in Technology, Early College High Schools, or T-STEM Academies, and Industry Cluster Innovative Academies, there's requirements around strong industry partnerships. And I think industry sees the need for a pipeline, and I think they're starting to see the benefit of uh, the more exposure students get, especially the younger students are, to what those career opportunities are. And of course, you know, dollar signs don't hurt when they start to see some of the salaries that they could walk out of high school with an industry-based certification with, or even a, a level one certificate at a community college or a technical college. Um, that's that's pretty life-changing for for a student, uh, and oftentimes the student's family, right? So I think their industries are starting to see the benefit of reaching down and starting to recruit, build that brand loyalty, um, and and start creating their pipeline earlier on. You know what struck me most is you said that some of the partners are like they're on board with getting in the middle school, but some of them even want to have access to the kids in elementary school. Why do you think that we are seeing such an increased emphasis on career exploration in the younger grades? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was thinking about this one earlier, and, and honestly, I think there's there's a couple different pressures, right? I think the skills gap and the conversation that's been going on for years around the skills gap is one, right? So how do you solve for the skills gap? Um, how do you push past the stigma um, of dirty jobs or um, current technical education being less than? So if you're focusing on a career, then clearly you're not talking about college. And so I think that especially as we've pushed toward this, um, how do you decrease the skills gap and how do you ensure students are college and career ready? 
there's been a conversation around, well, you, you have to start earlier, right? It's no different than um, if you're looking for indicators of success in high school, you go back down to third grade reading, right? I think it's, it's this natural connector between what you're looking for as an outcome at the end to how you embed sure. that earlier on. Um, and I think also that, you know, a push for equity and access, uh, and we've seen that from federal legislation, right? So as people have been pushing from ESSA um, and even now in Perkins 5, where there's been a focus on um, loosening up that allowability to spend more funding or to be, to be able to spend funding in middle schools, quite frankly, um, and encourage that, um, you've seen that take, for, take the form of federal legislation even, right, which is normally right. um, slower to happen than you would see kind of these other pieces. So I, I think it's kind of a combination of all of those things, how you're addressing the skills gap, how you're demonstrating students are college and career ready, and the, the kind of pieces you, you're not going to accomplish that uh, in one year in high school, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Everything that you just said makes complete sense to me. Um, Heather, you, you know, I, I've known you for, gosh, six, seven years now, yeah. maybe something yeah. like that. seven years, and I think, I, yeah. I've watched, yeah, and, I, and I've watched you succeed and advance into multiple roles, taking on greater and greater responsibility, um, especially including your current position, in which I do not envy you. Um, <laughs> and, but what, what we know about successful people is that they have, oftentimes they have ideas that everyone hears them speak and says, mm -hmm. yes, I'm 100% on board. I will follow her. I will follow him. I'm, I'm going to support that mission. But what we also know to be true about leaders is sometimes we, we have ideas that we believe to be true that no one else agrees with. And I'm curious, and this could be in your personal life or your professional life <laughs> or just in general, um, tell me something that is, that is true that nobody agrees with you on? Yeah, I, so I actually have two, and, and it's, it's I'm like, well, shocking, I have two. Um, but I think there's, there's kind of two pieces here. Um, one that I think when I talk to people about it, sometimes I can get some agreement, but at first their response is a little um, taken aback. Um, I can't wait to. <laughs> uh, the first one is this connection between uh, STEM and work-based learning, uh, and that STEM is just a form in a lot of instances of work-based learning and should be intrinsically connected, right? So um, when you think of STEM instruction, I think a lot of people hop directly to the academic versus CTE conversation or the advanced right. math pathways versus a CTE career cluster, and my whole thinking on this, and this again is Heather Justice's personal <laughs> understanding, is that really those STEM activities are just forms of work-based learning, right? It's, it's a methodology and it's critical thinking and problem solving that should be embedded. And those activities, especially when you're talking about elementary and middle school, really look quite similar to the types of activities that students should experience in a robust work-based learning framework. And so it's, it's been an interesting conversation as I've been um, kind of having this with my team internally, um, and then as we've been, you know, picking people's brains externally on this, um, to see kind of the, the, the puzzled looks or the, I'm not really sure I can come with you down this path kind of conversations um, yep. around that. Um, so I think that's one. I think the other one that is probably, for me at a national level, um, the most concerning is, um, though I am a huge proponent of expanding uh, careers and career exploration and ensuring students have paths, 
I have a concern about the push for middle-skilled jobs. Um, and, and I think this mantra around middle-skilled jobs, and when I voiced it at national conferences, it's not been um, entirely well-received uh, in the room. Um, <laughs> but my, my warning is that it feels in this push for middle-skilled jobs that we're pushing the line in the sand just an inch to the right um, from these job terminal, nothing better than a high school diploma pass, uh, and just slightly moving that bar and really not having the tough conversation around college and career and that the middle skill jobs are great, but that student also needs to be prepared at some point to be able to go back and retool and retrain because of automation and because of all these different factors. And so I guess my, my fear slash belief is we can talk a lot about middle skill jobs, which are super important and I think have pushed the needle a little bit on some form of continuing education. Um, but I think this, this fear that I have is that we're just not being bold enough in that conversation and we're just focusing on moving in the, the line again, just an inch to the right, uh, and that we, we can go backwards, you know, 30 years in current technical education if we're not careful with that line of thinking. Yeah, nope, that, that's an interesting point. So really sticking to that or making sure that regardless of the, the skill level of the job, it might be middle school, but there's still a career trajectory that allows someone to go back, as you said, and get continuing ed and then continue advancing to a, to a point where they're, where they're happy with, with their lifestyle and their salary and the, the work that they're performing. I've, I've right. not heard it put like that before. It's an interesting point. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, so, Heather, my, the big takeaways from our conversation today is, one, in the state of Texas, you all as a state have created resources and you give support to districts for implementing the college and career readiness standards at the middle school level, but you provide flexibility at the district level. And I can't think of a single teacher or administrator who would not appreciate that flexibility to implement a career exploration program at the middle school level that works best within their framework or their school system. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. The other thing that, that you really emphasize, emphasize was the value of career exploration in middle school and how it, the intent is really to get students to start thinking about their futures much sooner so that potentially they begin investing in, their, in themselves and in their futures at a much earlier age than, than maybe they would have 15 to 20 years ago because they're aware of what happens when they turn 18 and when they turn 22 or 23 and when they turn 30. And it, it goes back to that, what we were just talking about, that career trajectory. So those are two really interesting points and two valuable points when we think about the conversation of middle school career exploration. So thank you for that. Yes. Our guest today was, was Heather Justice and Heather is the Divisional Director for College, Career, and Military Preparation at the Texas Education Agency. Heather, I really appreciate your time and, and the expertise that you brought to this conversation. So thank you for giving us your time. Yeah, I appreciate it, Cheney. Always a pleasure. All right.